Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with David Willing. We are here to talk about Surrogate, which will be out uh, September 2nd on Amazon. That's soon. That's coming up. What is that, Friday? That's Ooh. Friday, yep. And so it'll be on Amazon to watch, but also September 16th, it'll be over on Tubi and Google TV. Uh, I had never seen the Babadook. And after seeing Surrogate, as much as I love horror, I'm kind of scared to watch The Babadook because this film got me so good. It's it's Kesti Morassi uh, and Jane Badler. And I don't know who played the little girl, but she's phenomenal. The girl who played Rosie. Artesha Ferugia. Yeah, she's incredible. She was fantastic. So on the surface, just really quick synopsis. You have what seems to be a supernatural spook type movie, but it's really, it's a little deeper than that. So David, first, let's get into what brings you to this type of film. So where Um, do you want to sit out of people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I... um... I've always loved horror cinema, um, but I've been, growing up I was a big fan of um, films and cinema in general, but I did have a particular affiliation with horror. And I think it goes back to, you know, lots of us have, as kids have memories of ghost stories around the campfire or when we're, you know, on that full, first school camp. Um, so there's that attraction to, oh, there's an anxiety or, you know, I want to be scared, but also then the scare affects you, you deeply. Um, and, I, as a filmmaker, I've worked in, in multiple genres, but there's um, Beth King, who I wrote Surrogate with, is a really big horror fan as well. And, um, it, you know, it lends itself to doing, you know, a really good sort of independent approach to making films as well. It's so refreshing to me. And it seems like there's been an uptick and probably I would say the last like 12 to 15 years, maybe there's been an uptick in female horror writers, which is fantastic back in 2009 I was writing and I was writing horror and people were like gobsmacked they were like you're a girl I was like well yeah I don't have nightmares I need to write down so I love that you wrote this along with Beth who is like you said a a horror uh, fan Mm. but it's kind of funny because you would say oh of course it was co-written with because of that no no you you cannot assign any you know what I mean it's it's seamless the way it was written you can't tell like oh so and so wrote this so and so wrote this part it's so beautifully melted together yeah it's just it's so phenomenally well done that you don't have to pick it apart to who did which part but I wonder like coming to to it are you a parent can I ask no I'm actually not that's what's interesting neither uh Beth or I are parents and we, we know that it has the, it's really messed up a couple of parents, the film, because, you know, it's the, um, uh, the main character and her daughter, um, you know, and a few parents had read some of the earlier drafts of screenplays. These are writing colleagues and they were like, oh man, some of that's, that's pretty intense. Um, but a, a lot of that came from observation. I've got um, young nieces and nephews. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of writing, you know, is observation and insight and, Beth and I, where we work really well together is we sort of, we come from, you know, I've got a, a directing focus as well as writing and she's coming very much from a character point of view. So I like that you've picked up that you can't see the differentiation in that writing because it really 
molds together well and you know we're both of us are developing all of the characters and all of um the story and plot ideas and then combining them them together um but yeah to answer your question we don't we don't have children so um maybe that made it a bit easier to make it in a way Stephen King wrote, wrote Pet Cemetery after having, you know, a nightmare about his young child. So I feel like you can do what you and Beth did and come at it from just an observational point of view. But also, I think maybe sometimes writers will write something horrific just to get it out of their own brain. Because yeah, that's a really interesting point of perspective. Um, yeah, I guess it also comes down to the, I mean, what the, the broader themes or ideas are. So if the idea you've got, you know, loss and it's about essentially, you know, it's a family getting ripped apart. We can all, you know, um, empathise or have fears around the ideas of, you know, destruction of our family unit um, or, um, you know, loss or death or these sorts of ideas. So it's really tapping into that, that universal feelings right and i don't know i don't know that this is necessarily it might be a spoiler and if it is i'll take it out but i found it quite interesting that the the incident that happens with natalie that ends her up uh in the hospital mm-hmm. and she became uh criminalized really about what they thought had occurred it's very reflective unfortunately of real life things that are happening uh daily but it was just like you got so indignant on her behalf. You got so angry at this woman who was questioning mm. poor Natalie, who has no freaking clue what's happening to her. And then when she, you know, it goes, like you said, the family's getting torn apart. This, to me, villain of a woman is, what is this on your arm, Rosie? Does your mother hurt you? And it's like, what are you doing? There's more going on. Can't you see, you stupid woman? So <laughs> it's kind of like sometimes the humans are the monsters. Yeah, it's, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, any really good storytelling is pushing different emotions. So I love the fact that, you know, there's that you're indignant while you're watching these scenes as well as, as the horror. Um, from a, a story point of view, we were, with the development of, uh, so that character's played by Jane Badler, was... Uh, a couple of things, and in, in part, it's like the best horror films have sort of a grounded antagonist as well. So the classic is Alien, you know, the original Alien. It's not just the alien monster. You've got, um, you know, we've got the uh, androids. You know, they use that mechanism in Alien and Aliens. And so we really wanted to put in that that grounded real-world antagonist that the uh, protagonist had to, to uh, combat as well. Uh, from a, I mean, a character perspective, and when I was directing Jane, I said to her, like, I knew the audience would have the reaction you were having, you know, but I said from her point of view, I mean, you work in, in child protection, so the majority of what you see is really horrible stuff doing, being done to children, and you just care about children. Mm-hmm. So she's very driven in her goal to find out what's going on, and um, I think it's sincere and pure from her perspective. Um, and, and that's I said the direction I gave gave to Jane, um, but we knew it would create a strong reaction in the audience as well because you know. And horror films have that that great element where it's like the antagonist. So the protagonist knows that something else is is going on, mm-hmm. and people around them won't believe them. Like Jaws is another really good example. Like straight up, he's like, oh, "There's more to this," and no one around him will believe him initially. And you know, right. Halloween works like that as well. 
Right. And I think that is, that is a good uh, mechanism in film in general. And I took a film class a long time ago and there was something about, there's like a term for it, but it's where you, the audience knows something that the character in the film doesn't. And it does, it evokes that, that response from you. Cause you're like, look behind the curtain. And yes. it's just, else that that gets you more invested in in what you're watching and you're right doing her job but we hated her for it (laughs) yeah I mean that's uh, yeah that was the classic you know Hitchcock thing you know if someone's got you know if someone's going to get hit with an axe you don't Mm -hmm. want them sort of you know walking through the forest and then bang they get hit by an axe you want to show them walking through the forest then cut to someone hiding behind a tree with an axe so straight away yeah we have that concern because we're ahead of them and I I mean I, I really like that that function of what we're talking about with with Jane's character in the film because it does kind of conflict you um, and the audience has very strong feelings about her character. Um, but I can see on the flip side, you know, she's had plenty of parents lie about what's going on with right. the you know, use of their children. So, I, I, yeah, I really like that complexity when we hit onto it. And, you know, having Jane play that character is great because she, when I first met her for coffee, she's so lovely in real life. And I really like casting you know, these lovely actors in these roles that audience will see as sort of villainous. Right. And isn't that, isn't that um, kind of a magic in, in filmmaking is to keep your audience kind of off balance? Because if you're, mm. if your audience is completely cool and complacent, it's boring. No, we're going to keep you slightly off kilter. We're going to keep you on the edge of your seat. We're going to have you making a face going, huh? Because we want you to figure it out along with our characters. We want you to, if you know everything, and let's be honest, some films you're going, nailed it. Yeah. Told you. It was the butler the whole time. Yeah. It, and you're just, you're, you're let down. But this one, definitely, there's so many like little things that you go, okay, well, that's how it, oh, oh, no, nope okay, it's not wrapped up in a bow because I didn't see that coming. And just like little little things in it, like Ava, the little girl yeah. with the mirrors. I was like this watching because <laughs> I knew what you think is going to occur doesn't occur. And then something does occur. And you're like, ah, 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 brilliant. I loved it. I absolutely adored it. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's the, 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 the tough bit is, and what you're talking about is how you, like the audience is smart, so it's how you stay ahead of them, mm-hmm. um, but not in a manipulative way, you know, because it, I hate stuff when it's, you know, really random twists and it's yeah. the point when you go, well, I mean, that's just, a, you know, a one-trick card, kind of card yeah. trick. And I like that one where, you know, if we're talking about Hitchcock before, Psycho's that really good example. When you get the reveal, you go, oh, wow, that all makes sense because of these elements but I didn't see that coming exactly and yeah it was um that is one of the harder parts of when you you know constructing a script and we're really happy with um yeah how we got some of those moments to play out that there's uh, you know another particular moment in the film where there's a reveal about a a character um and I know we're being a bit bit cryptic so we don't want to be spoiling stuff but I know various people have you know at screenings or have contacted and, and they really thought that you know, Jane's character was going to start doing something different or had a different function in the story. Um, but with the, with, we can say with uh, Ava, so it's a little girl who's involved in, in silence. With that scene, again, it's how you find sort of an original way to do something that we've seen before. You know, most films of the paranormal aspect will have a, a seance type 
scenario. Mm. And, you know, what I said to, to Beth, it's like when we realised we needed that in the, the film, she just said, look, let's find an original way to do it. And it can't be sort of like an old gypsy type woman with a, with a Ouija board. We've seen that a lot. And this idea of having a nine-year-old girl using mirrors to reflect good and evil. When we hit onto that idea, we're really excited about what we could do with that. And that was great. When we're watching it in, in cinemas and as as that scene starting, you can just see people starting to sort of, you know, into their chair, hide their head. Um, and, yeah, it's, you know, and the little actress, uh, Ellie, who played her, was just incredible in that scene too, which really topped it off. She was fantastic. And the way that the character did it as if, if you're naughty, I'm not going to play anymore. The going to be over but what what got me really was um you had the mirrors and I forget I think on the left was evil and on the right was good but the way it was set up I was like which is it her left is it our left I don't know which mirror not to look at right now (laughs) so it was just so it was so freaking well done and just like the whole keeping your back to things kind of related as as well because not to get really deep but like a lot of times we keep our we keep ourselves turned away from things we don't want to face because mm-hmm. we know they're going to be hard, they're going to be scary, they're going to be tough. And Natalie does, and as we said before, not necessarily to to the benefit of of all concern, shall we say? Yeah, it's an interesting. That kind of ideas of um, repression or denial uh, and avoidance are quite common in in horror, and particularly you know ghost horror. Um, yeah, a lot of our ghost horrors are built on. Uh, yeah, characters repressing their past or not facing up to it. A really good example. I'm not sure if you've seen The Others with Nicole Kidman. You know, yes, what a- creeped me out so bad. That twist, I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Magnificent. And that's actually that good example of, of that twist. You, you don't see it coming, but it's all set up and makes sense. You know, it's a beautiful piece of writing. And, I, I mean, that's all, that entire story is built on her denial, which makes it, you know, even more full on by the end. She's everything she's doing is to avoid the reality that, you know, she pretty much uh, carried out herself. Right. And the sixth sense is another one where it has all the clues that the protagonist Mm. doesn't get until the end. And he's like, Oh, so that type of film and surrogate, not that you can't watch it one time and, and get it, but what's enjoyable is you can watch it again and get those little tidbits that you missed the first time that, I wouldn't say give away anything, but make you go, wait a minute, wait. Mm. Yeah. And I love that about a film. I don't want to watch a movie. I don't want to watch a movie and be done with it and go, eh, that was okay. I like to watch a film again. You want to love it so much. You want to, to enjoy it so much that you want to watch it again. Surrogate is a film that you will want to watch again. You might need to take a minute, <laughs> maybe take a couple of days, maybe take a week or so, because the ending, it'll gut you. That's what makes it amazing. Yeah, I think that's very kind of you to say. And it is, you know, endings, it, it's had a really strong impact on audiences. You know, said when we're at, uh, at screenings, um, you know, it really affected people in different ways. And uh, Ring, the you know, the, or the Japanese film Ringu is one of Beth my, you know, our favourite, one of our favourite films, let alone, you know, uh, ghost horror. And the end on that as well packs a real punch and it, it sticks with you, you know. And, uh, you know, even stuff like, I really like uh, Chinatown. I remember the first time I watched that. The ending is, just, it, that is brutal. And there's something about that ending that leaves you like, oh, my God, but, but it sticks with you. Um, yeah. You know, and we found it. So, yeah, that's um, 
Yeah, some people had, did come back to watch it a couple of times at the cinema, not just to pick up on that detail, but dealing with that kind of, you know, intensity, but in a really fun cinematic way. Yeah, not like, not in a, I don't know, not in like a, a dark or, or sick way, just a, yeah, just for the pure enjoyment of it, because you're like, wait, wait. But there's so many, I want to call them red herrings, uh, you know, when when Natalie goes to to visit someone and you think, my God, they're crazy get out of there before she kills you, you know? And you're like, oh, okay. So just these little false flags or, you know, things like that. But going back to what you said earlier, where it's not such a complete departure, where it's not like, oh, Bob from the deli killed everybody. Bob, you mentioned him one time in the first scene. What does that have to do with it? You know, and it's just stupid. But this is like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. But Mm. I didn't coming so no I was so smart (laughs) (laughs) um yeah there is uh, I guess there's a function that plays around in in the story that it's like yeah someone might seem crazy you know or they appear crazy when you first meet them but it's like maybe they're not you know and that's what was yeah it's really interesting about um not just when we're writing it how you work those elements in because I said you don't want it to be to be too obvious but also you don't want it coming from from left field but came to directing the film that's what made it interesting in those scenes because there's um uh one of the scenes when we're filming which you can talk about which is um so natalie the mother and her daughter rose they're doing a a video dive for her school assignment and we actually filmed that scene about three quarters of the way through the shoot so we'd already shot quite a lot of the film and as we're filming it i was like wow, the irony of that scene really just struck me, even though I'd you know, written it and we'd rehearsed it, but everything they're talking about, there's nothing random going on in that moment, but it just seems all very off the cuff talking about the family dynamic and the nature of their situation uh, and then where things go with it. Yeah, you got yourself. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it's nice when those things sort of surprise you when, because you, when, you know, when you're writing a script, you don't know how it's going to work out, you know, when you come up with a story, um, then how even it might work on the page, but how's it going to work uh, overall as a film, how those scenes and characters are going to um, work within it, what might seem really good on page, you know, on the page might not work on set. But that was just one of those nice moments when you're like second time around that scene, even though it's just really innocuous, it's it's a mother and daughter on a couch doing a, a video for school same time around if you listen to what they're talking about um uh that you said that um it's quite shocking when you realize what's going to become of this family right especially um where she's like oh i forgot one and you're like oh did you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i know we said it's coming september 2nd to amazon and then the 16th for tubi and google What's up next for you? Well, um, we've started writing on some other screenplays. This has obviously consumed a fair bit of uh, the last couple of years mm. because it was only a few months ago that we were doing a, a theatrical run in, in Melbourne. Um, so we've really, yeah, Beth and I are back, you know, writing on some other projects, but it's at a very early stage where we're just brainstorming ideas. And when we wrote Surrogate, that came out of a brainstorming session that we, for a period where we met for about uh, two, three times a week and brainstormed ideas and surrogate came out of that that period but also we had i think it was about five or six other other 
ideas, mostly horror, a couple of crime because we really like crime stuff. Um, so we're just back in doing those and hopefully, you know, over the next next couple of months, seeing how the, you know, surrogate plays with the audiences and what interest that sort of brings brings to our other projects. So we're looking forward to that part of it. Do you anticipate a DVD release? Yeah, we're actually looking at the moment of the DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, but trying to work out which is the the optimal one to go with that. And the plan is uh, with surrogate is to roll out over platforms over the next, you know, four to six months as well. So it will be coming up on some other ones. These are just the initial ones we've we've got locked in. But I would hope before Christmas would be. That would yeah. be great. I said a great gift for mom. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was joking with the, the cinema. I was going to say maybe we should do like a Mother's Day screening <laughs> of the film and get everyone along for Happy Mother's Day. Um, uh, yeah, the DVD, we're just uh, working on some components, so we need to find out which is more optimal uh, just market and production-wise. But, you know, there's a really good documentary that's being put together on the, the full making of, of the film as well, and I know horror fans are really interested in, in that. Yeah. That we love behind the scenes. One of my favorite uh, behind the scenes is from 13 Ghosts, where it shows uh, the, the ghosts waiting to, 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 their, to do their scenes. And it's like the jackal standing there smoking a cigarette. And it's like, it takes your anxiety levels down a little bit because you're like, okay, they're people, they're people. <laughs> we also love to see the behind the scenes uh, for effects and things like that too. So I love that you're going to be doing that as well. That's yeah, so- I mean, I, it is hilarious when you do see that. Yeah, it's the whole like Pennywise having a cigarette between between takes. <laughs> um, and yeah, what's interesting is we at, at the Q and A's because we did a few Q and A's at the the cinema and the premiere screenings, and you know, people are like, really worried about the welfare of children in a horror film because when you watch it, it's very intense. But when you see some of the behind the scenes, it's actually quite light on set. Um, at a point, even to the cinematographer, I said one day, I'm like, this is going to be a lot darker. Like, we can really pull this down. He said, yeah, yeah, don't worry, because it was almost daylight for the mm-hmm. night scene. So it is an interesting seeing that that perspective of what it looks like on camera once you do the grey, to do the, the sound and the music. Um, but also the, the focus on making of it is because I work as a, um, a screenwriting and film filmmaking teacher from time to time just doing some some vocational courses so the making of it also they're focusing a bit on what that you know if you're a film student interested in making films looking at some more of that that technical aspect of how things were sort of created and what what decisions were made uh creatively for the film as well so I'm really interested to see how students you know respond to that I think that would be an, an incredible thing, like you said, just to get the technical uh, aspects of it down. And it's funny you mentioned the kids and Pennywise in the same in the same breath because there's um, I read an article, uh, Skarsgård, the most recent Pennywise was it Bill mm. Skarsgård? Yeah, yeah, Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. In the article, they were talking about he had done a scene. Um, I can't remember which kid actors it was, but he was like that. Ah. And then he was at, when they were like cut, that he was like, you guys, okay. Was that, you know, and they were like, that was great. That was hilarious. I don't know that people often realize that directors and pretty much everybody on set when there's kids in a horror film, their concern is like a priority, how they're, it's like, was that too much? Are you okay? Do you need a chocolate? You want your Mm. mom? Okay. I'll get her. (laughs) So I don't know realize you guys do go to 
to great lengths to make sure the kids are comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, um, you know, sometimes it's like, how do you create the atmosphere so fear will come across? Because, you know, if you're, in a, you're shooting a, a scene and you, you're, you're in a room and there's 20 people and there's lights and there's cameras and, you know, how, you know, then actors can kind of switch on that, that moment of fear. And, you know, Kessie Marassi, who's, who's the lead in it, is just incredible with that, that kind of fear that she can turn on when she needs to. And not to mention all the other, because there's a wide range of emotions. Um, but with the kids, a big part, we had a really good rehearsal period. And a big part of that is just getting them comfortable with all the, the aspects. So, the, you know, the adults that they're working with, um, we would just do you know, games and playing around at the start of rehearsal and, and any of the physical components that they have to deal with that we go through well before shooting and just uh, practice those things and walk them through it just so on the day they know exactly what to expect. You know, because that's that's the other big bit. I didn't want to throw, you know, throw too many things on them um, on the spot. But you're also balancing it out because you're directing and you're trying to make it, you know, a great piece of drama along the way so it's really that balance of how you get them into the mindset they need to be in in the scene um also sometimes they've got more to give because they're little weirdos in the best way and we're not we're not throwing any shade on them at all but sometimes those kids they're like bring it on come on yeah but uh your bestie she has this amazing pissed off fear as well does that make sense where she's like, ah, what the fuck? She's like, you scared me and it pissed me off. And now I'm going to beat your ass about it. And she did it so well because I felt that <laughs> because I'm the same kind of way. Like if you jump scare me, I'm going to like be mad. <laughs> oh, did it. I was like, oh, you're my people. I, I understand. <laughs> Phenomenal. You know, what attracted her to the role is not only is, you know, she's in almost every scene, which is incredibly demanding but there's a really you know it's a very complex character she plays and there is lots of light and shade and um aspects to those performances so she's not just hitting kind of one note all the way all the way through the film and uh yeah and like you said with the the, you know the kids yeah they love it all of that that fun stuff the minute you're getting any fake blood and and makeup Mm -hmm. and and those things that yeah the kids actually really really enjoyed that bit and they're a lot of fun to work with for that reason Right. I'm trying not to say one specific kid, so we'll we'll keep it out because I don't know that it was talked about in the release. But for um, going back to Cassie really quick, you're right about the different scared, unsure, confused, lying to another person's face just so smoothly. Amazing. Just this broad range. And she had to bring pretty much every emotion that you could think of and then some more so fantastic for her amazing yeah she's great she you know we worked really hard we had a long long preparation period it's a lot of discussions around the screenplay script and a character and uh, yeah what you've hit onto is spot on she goes through pretty much every every emotion and uh, you know a big part of the character we're talking about is that she's a skeptic at the start essentially and it's that chipping away at that um, skepticism until she has to accept um, some of the realities that are going going on around her. And um, yeah, it's a really impressive form. I mean, she's obviously most well known for, for Wolf Creek. So for those, no one will know her name, but you know, she's the woman on the poster 
of Wolf Creek. Talk about no happy endings. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, and that's an you know incredible performance in that. She's you know quite young. I mean, that, that film's now I think it's getting near twenty years ago. Um, but you know, she's incredible in that. That's a very physical, intense performance. What she goes through in Wolf Creek, um, whereas this one, she's playing a lot more complex character and yeah it's it's really impressive the editor and i were you know talking about just you know how good and subtle her performance is in in those key moments um absolutely so you're gonna you're gonna do press for surrogate for a few months and hopefully we'll see a dvd or blu-ray release at christmas time to mom would love that's the plan yeah (laughs) and we will set a bit further down the track when it's you know once people have seen the film be able to talk a bit more in depth because i know we've been been a little bit vague or not wanting to spoil it. Well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody because the twist is so good. I want people to experience that joy for themselves. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, so we know with horror fans, that's why the trailer is, is deliberately cut to go. Here's tone and suggestion, but we're not giving a, a lot of story away because we know horror fans just don't like spoilers in no, their trailers. We don't. And it's like... Ugh. When something is spoiled for you, it's just like, well, I don't even want to watch it now. It's like, I don't even, I don't even want to give it a chance because I know what's going to happen. And Mm. I hate it because there's so much other stuff that you could, quick side story. This was many, many years ago, but there was a film, uh, Meg Ryan, I think Nicolas Cage, and he was like an angel. Ah, yes. City of Angels. At work one day, I was saying to my coworker, I want to see City of Angels. And another coworker said, oh, isn't it sad when he dies? Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even want to watch it. And I've never watched the film. So. <laughs> oh, no, that's it's like that, yeah, that Simpsons gag when Homer's walking out of uh I think it was Empire, yeah, Empire Strikes Back. He's like, wow, who would have thought, you know, Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. And he, everyone's like, yeah. oh, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So we haven't given a lot away, but yeah, it's, there's, um, people certainly won't be, um, won't be bored watching it. There's lots of twists and turns in the story. Oh, my God. And nobody is above suspicion. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not even the kids nobody is above suspicion except except maybe indy the dog that's it True. yes yeah indy is the innocent one <clears throat> and is that a nod to uh, indiana jones um we actually can't remember you know beth and i were saying that we don't remember when we came up with the nod if it was if it was indiana jones or because we knew we were going to make it as an independent horror um oh. i should double check that it's i mean so we wrote the film over two years ago so some of those bits it's interesting what goes out of your mind at the moment you came up with it um it works either way indie film the dog's name was indiana yeah indiana yeah it was but yeah we're both uh, you know i love the indiana jones films so um yeah what's great they said once you go out to an audience people start to you know they put their own interpretation or perspective on it which is which is really interesting on what they come up with isn't that the isn't that the fun of it though oh absolutely so watching with audiences has been you know it's great it's I mean, ultimately, that's why you're making a film is for not just to express yourself, but an audience reaction. It's really that's the key part of it, and seeing what they what they you know, obviously, it's been really uh, nice to hear that it's had that reaction on you, which is you know what we're hoping for. Right, and you want people to talk about it. 
you want people to to say, oh my God, you have to see this. It was so good. This is where you can find it. This is, speaking of where to find it, is there a website or a social? Yeah, surrogatefilm.com. So if people go to there, you can actually just put in your email address. We don't spam you. We just um, periodically will send out an email update when it where it's going to be available. Um, and also, so it'll be on Instagram which and Facebook, which is uh, surrogate2021. Um, but the website will have all of those links. So that's surrogatefilm.com. All right, surrogatefilm.com. You heard it here first. It has been an absolute joy talking with you. Will you please come back when you have another project to, to promote? I will. In fact, let's even, I'll come back in a couple of months maybe and we can uh, talk more detailed story stuff when we are not be spoiling it for everyone. It would be great. Yeah, well, I feel like we could keep going. This is a really interesting conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk again. But thank you so much. And send my thanks to Beth as well, because this film was amazing. I will. Yeah, unfortunately, because she's working a, a bit at the moment, um, you know, in paid real world job. Uh, oh. So <laughs> she's missing some of the some of the promo. But yeah, I'll pass that on. So yeah, that was really glad you enjoyed it and got that that out of it it's nice when when it has the effect you're after absolutely and it is definitely rewatchable i'll probably watch it again here in the next couple days just because i want to see if i was right about a couple things (laughs) excellent okay thank you so much catch you later bye